This broadcast is part of the IC Robots Radio Network. Visit icrobots.com for this and many other nerd slash nostalgia related podcasts. You won't be sorry for long. Recorded live on Jupiter's third largest moon, Callisto. He'll never retire or put his mic on the shelf. He's the baddest dude in the history of dudes itself. He's your host, Icy Robots. Greetings, Earth people. I am from Jupiter. It is me again, Icy Robots. I'm not a hero, but I do sacrifice a bit of my week each and every week to make your week a bit less week. And this week, it is going to get so much less week. We got we got a ton of fun stuff. We're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk a little bit more about this. Going to talk about toys. Toys, probably, maybe like TV, movies. Then we are going to do the Ghostly Tome, Volume 2, where we will we'll dig into some... Uh, some creepy spells from the world of Gary Gygax and from Dungeons and Dragons. So with all that said, hit it. You are listening to the Toys R Us report. It's hard to be the man. They trying to tie down both hands. I got to use my brain, maintain and expand. Some don't like what we do. I say they're critics too. I don't contemplate with them. I just concentrate on you. That's dope. I definitely dig that. There are people out there that don't like what we do, but hey, you know, we don't mess with them. We just concentrate on you, those those who do like the uh like the good old Toys R Us. And there's, you know, there's enough. There's enough to keep me happy. I I feel like um, you know, I feel like I get the love that I deserve and need, and that's that's something that every human being desires to be to be loved, to be respected. Blah de blah. Blah, blibbity bloop. Um, what is, what's going on? You know, there's just like, there's uh, this whole thing with Toys R Us, and this is, this is like heartbreaking news. It's coming out though. The company was horribly mismanaged, and that led to, that led to their current situation. There, there were loans, loans at crazy rates, and just, I don't know, man. It's, it's all bad around the, uh, around the hood lately, but. At least we have some kind of warning. So, you know, take the time, go down to your Toys R Us, do whatever you can to to get those memories locked in your brain before it's too late. Take pictures, do, uh, you know, do whatever it is that you have to do to, to keep it fresh, fresh in the front of your brain for the, uh, for all eternities. Hey, it's me. Do you have a minute? Hey, man, check it out. It's, uh, it's Engineer Emily. Yeah, of course, of course we got a minute. I kind of want to come on and say something. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Say whatever you want. Okay, you know Jeff Five and his stupid movie? Mm-hmm. Don't invest in it. I know that fool and I promise you, he is trying to rip you off. Oh, oh, oh yeah, for sure he's trying to rip me off. I don't, I don't know what the long game is with these dudes. It might be, 
It might be that the long game is just a short game and they're trying to get me to write them a check, but oh, dude, ah, yeah, uh-uh, there'd be no way I'd give those dudes any, any of my, my hard-earned, uh, dinero. Okay, I was just checking. You seem sort of interested and when I edit the show together and listen to it again, you sound like you sort of want to get in on it. Just don't. I know Danny Five from when I was doing some work in LA and he has a reputation for not really being on the up and up. Yeah, dude, that's not hard to believe. You can just, you can tell that by, uh, by talking to him for a few minutes. I had a run-in with him once at the trip on Sunset and let me just say, the dude makes Harvey Weinstein look like Tom Hanks. Wait, hold on. He makes Harvey Weinstein look like Tom Hanks? Are, are you telling me that J5 did something gross? I, 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 I mean, I can believe it, but is, is that true? I, I sure, I, I hope that, I hate to think that you would have gone through something like that. Don't worry. It wasn't a big deal. He hit on me. Authored me some cocaine and when I said, no thank you, he tried to touch me so I pump kicked him in his face and marked him right into Ricky Schroeder. Whoa, no way, Ricky Schroeder from Silver Spoons was there, I used to love that show, I wanted a, uh, I wanted a train that, don't, I'm sorry, you pump kicked him right in the face, oh my gosh, that's, that's crazy, that, that explains why they don't seem like they, uh, why they like you very much when, when, when they come on. No, him and that jerk. A.B. Silver don't like me because I know all about them and their grifter ways. Almost everyone in Hollywood is the same way. Crooked to the bone, that's why I couldn't work there. The people there are the worst of the worst. Yeah, you know, I, I've kind of gathered that too. Everybody that I've met from Hollywood, except for like, you know, a few others, uh, James Remore, Robert Forrester, they, they seem like they might not be like the coolest dudes out there. I get it, but uh, Emily, you know, thanks for coming on, and thanks for sharing these stories. You know, I realize it's not, it's not, uh, your preference to be on the show. You prefer to, uh, you prefer to work behind the scenes, so, you know, I dig it, man. I dig the, I dig the sacrifice. I was just worried that you were buying into J5's line of bull. Look, I'm gonna go. I have to meet up with Iceberg. Oh, yeah, that's cool. What, what, what are you guys gonna do? We are going to go to the arcade. He is going to show me how to play. Moon Patrol. Yeah, that sounds like fun. He's good at that game, dude. He's good at a lot of those, uh, those old school arcade games. Finish up that talk about Toys R Us real quick and then I'll head over there. Yeah, yeah, we'll do. I, I was almost done anyway. Emily out. That was fun. Uh, thanks for coming on, Emily. I appreciate that. I, every once in a while, I'll get a comment or something and people will, people will comment on my mixing skills and... As much as I would like to take credit for that, it's actually Engineer Emily, who you just heard. She used to work, she used to work in radio back in the day, and when, when she has some extra time, she'll, she'll produce some bits for us, so your, your compliments should be, they should be sent in her direction, so I, I don't want to, I don't want to linger on the Toys R Us too much, it's, it's really sad, but at least we, at least we have some time to go over and document it as much as we can. I might, I might actually shoot some video. I'm thinking I might, like, do a walkthrough of the store and just record everything. And I want to capture, like, the, like, the ambient noise of what the of what the Toys R Us sounds like. When I'm there, they're always playing the the Muzak. They 
I seem to hear safety dance by um, Men Without Hats a lot. I, I hear that a lot. I, I hear a lot of 80s stuff, and there are people milling about and stuff. And it'd be, it'd be interesting just to, just to capture what that, um, what that sounds like for the future. Right now, as we speak, it's, it seems as if the worst is going to go, but there are there are a couple things. I heard that there is a company that is bidding on some of the stores. I heard that there are three three different ones at the at the present. Some of the the Canadian stores, some of the Canadian stores have already already been saved. Um, there's a bid in from the from the dude who owns Bratz. By the time you guys hear this. This will be old news, and I I just wanna I just wanna have it out there. Um, there is a rumored bid from IKEA. I don't know about that. There is there's a Japanese conglomerate that I've heard has has a bid in, but I I don't know all about that. I'd like to think it's true. I'd like to think that it's true, but you never know. There's also this rumor floating about that KB Toys might be opening there is a company that bought the rights to a bunch of a bunch of defunct department stores like i magnin and things like that and they they opened them up as an online entity and somewhere along the lines they also acquired the ip of kb toys and there is talk that they might open kb as a as a physical toy store it seems like an idea that could make sense there will be like a giant void if, if the worst happens, there'll be a giant void in the world. And the Toys R Us is profitable, as far as I hear, but they have massive amounts of loan debt and such. But um, the, uh, the Toy Store idea is still probably one that could work. They are promising that by Christmas, they will have physical stores open. That's, you know, that's a ways of ways, but it's not like ways and ways away so i don't know let's uh let's hope for the best on that what a weird turn of events it could be that kb arises from the from the ashes and becomes a store again that would be that would be fun i would definitely enjoy it if you know it was toys r us and kb but one is better than none i guess let's uh let's move ahead I guess let's move into the next portion. We're going to talk about a movie I saw, a movie that goes by the name of Tomb Raider. Where are you going to find that special toy at a price that's really has great prices and selection on Atari games and systems, from hot new cartridges to the popular price 2600 and arcade quality 7800. Hey! In a moment, at the movies, without Ebert, Siskel, or even that dude Roper. But you got Icy Robot, so that's something, right? His birth, not mine. It's in your blood. I'm not a superhero. Our world is in danger. You must stop them, Lara. Ladies first. Some men like dangerous women. Some men are foolish. 
Tomb Raider. Rated PG-13. Experience in an IMAX. The movie that I took in was a movie known as... A movie known as Tomb Raider. We were thinking that we were going to see Red Sparrow. We, um... We got a bit behind on our movies and we were going to check that out. But the... But the times weren't as convenient as Tomb Raider. So... Tomb Raider it was. I've never played Tomb Raider. Actually, I think that I played once or twice at somebody's house. I do have a recollection of, like, running around and doing stuff, but I am, like, by no means a, uh, a Tomb Raider aficionado. I did, I did see parts of the movie that Angelina Jolie did, but I am by no means a Tomb Raider aficionado. Like, I... Like I just said, I do like Alicia Vikander, the the gal that they got as Laura Croft in in the new movie. I think that she has she has like a certain gravitas to her. Uh, she she's an Oscar winner, I think. I think that she won for the Danish Girl. I think I think so. I I'm not like I'm not like super sure. I've never seen I've never seen the uh, the Danish Girl 2.0 saw it. She thought it was uh, she thought it was terrific. I. I went into the movie thinking that it would probably be alright. I thought that the I thought that the trailers were really good. I was seeing them in just about like every movie that was coming out. And like I said, uh Vikander has a certain gravitas that she brings to a role and I was interested to see what she was gonna be doing with with good old Laura Croft. The uh, the previews showed her they showed her like jumping around a lot, making these incredibly long leaps from like one thing to another. I guess that's to like simulate what happens in the, in the video game. I imagine she does a lot of running and jumping and, like, dodging stuff, and in the movie, she is running all the time. If you want to see, if you want to see Alicia Vikander run, this is definitely the movie for you, and I'll admit, I liked it. It was, uh, it was pretty good. She's lean and mean in this. She has, like, she has, like, an eight-pack abs, and she's just in, a terrific shape, and watching her book up and down the streets is... It's pretty fun. The movie has kind of a a national secret vibe to it. The uh, Nick Cage movie franchise where he solves historical puzzles and stuff. I myself, I do like those movies. I like the, the National Treasure movies. I think they're fun. I don't think that they're like the greatest things ever. But if they made another one, I would definitely go see it. I've seen the other two and I thought they were neat in this. She's doing like the puzzle thing. You know, she's like solving stuff and there are obstacles she has to get around the basic the basic idea is that her father has passed away he was he was like a dynamo businessman slash archaeologist and he he has passed away and left alicia all of all of the croft fortune and she decides to use it to go and go and complete a quest that he seemed obsessed with she goes from being like a bike messenger to a Indiana Jones type archaeologist, but I dig it. It's fun if she doesn't do that. The, the movie doesn't get going. Her father is played by Jimmy McNulty from The Wire. It's always it's always fun to see that guy. Also, Wayne Scoggins is in it, and he's you know he's a delight. He was in um he was in Hateful Eight. He was in Vice uh, Principals on HBO. Dudes, dudes, uh you know this is a delight. I don't know how else to put it. The movie starts off with her in London. It ends off with her with her on an island, a treacherous island where she where she raids a tomb. I thought that the movie was I thought it was all right. You know, it wasn't like high end action or anything. And I I do think that Alicia Vikander 
deserves a higher quality of Tomb Raider movie. The movie's doing all right at the box office, so hopefully we'll get a Tomb Raider 2. I don't know why I said so hopefully. What I meant to say is if they make a Tomb Raider 2, I'll definitely go, but I think I think my hope is that the the sequel will be of a higher quality action movie than than this one. But with all that said, it wasn't it wasn't bad by any stretch. It was definitely Definitely entertaining. It's uh, 118 minutes. It's in wide release right now. It was directed by a cat named Roar Uthog, who I looked up, and he has like some some Danish, some Danish credits. The movie stars Alicia Vikander, like I said, and Wayne Scoggins is in it. It uh, it didn't win the box office right now. I think that Black Panther has won five weeks in a row, and that uh, they thought maybe Tomb Raider. Would break the streak, but alas, it did not. It it came in second, but it made twenty three million its opening weekend, and that's that's not bad. I did like the movie, but it had almost a like a TV movie feel to it. It didn't have that didn't have that big that big scope that you want from a movie like like this. So on the good old fashioned Source Magazine Mike meter, with one being a dud and five being an all time classic, I am going to give Tomb Raider 2.5 2. 5 mics. 2.5 mics. Close your eyes and open your mind to a world of mysticism. A world envisioned by the legendary Gary Gygax. Join us on a journey into the magical world of dungeons and dragons, black arts and arcane spells. This is the ghostly tome with your favourite 25th level magic user, Icy Robots. Greetings, fellow travelers. It is I, Icy Robots, your favorite 25th level magic user. The The topic today is D&D spells on volume two of the ghostly tome. If you missed, if you missed volume one, I'll, uh, I'll break it down really quick for you. What we're going to do is we're going to take a look at the advanced Dungeons and Dragons player's guide. The first printing, the one with the one with the famous black cover with the two thieves Stealing the ruby out of, um, ruby, the ruby eyes out of a, uh, out of a giant statue. I, I used to, I used to play Dungeons and Dragons by myself. And I made up a 25th level magic user that went by the name of Archimedes. And I liked nothing more than messing around and changing the spells that good old Archimedes had. The, the way that he transported his spells from one place to the next was in was inside of a book known as the Ghostly Tome, and that is, that is what we're going to examine today, Archimedes' Ghostly Tome. From as far back as I can remember, I've been into Dungeons and Dragons, not so much the actual playing of Dungeons and Dragons, because I've never, I've never been able to successfully put together a, a group when I was, when I was a youth, I didn't have the, the kind of friend group that would want to sit down like it was, like it was Stranger Things and play a, a rousing round of D&D. So I would, I would, uh, study, study the books, look at the books, roll up characters on my own, and just, you know, I would pretend that I, that I had something going on. I would sometimes play the modules 
by myself. I would read the modules and I would run. I would run Archimedes through there, and he would he would always mop everyone up. That's uh that's the thing when you're when you're playing games by yourself. You always you always mop up all the orcs. You know, you might even like run into a uh, beholder or like a red dragon, and you're gonna you're gonna knock it out the box because why would you make yourself lose? You know, if you if you look at the deets, I had a uh, I had a 25th level magic user in my in my imagination, so I wasn't I wasn't the most the most subtle of kids. I I would look at the books at the store as well, the D and D books. the The main place that I would see them would be at the Toy and Model. That was a store that was in the shopping center we have called uh, Montgomery Village. It's like it's like long since gone out of business, which is which is sad. There was one there. There was one in the Cottingtown Mall, and then there was another one in the Town and Country Shopping Center when I was when I was super young. But the Montgomery Village was like the that was the big store. And this was a great toy store. I know that I've talked about it before. I I really rue the day that this went away. This was um a nice store. They were they were expensive, but they had a had a good selection of stuff. And amongst that amongst that stuff was D and D manuals and D and D dice. And I would I would go down there and peruse the manuals I didn't have, and I would I would eye the dice. I always wanted like a full on set of dice, like a matching set. You know, they had like those crystalline dice that you could you could see through, and they they came in like a, a plastic tube, and they were. They were all the same color. They would have they would have the sets put together and then also like smaller bins full of dice where you can like pick and choose whichever one you might want. And I remember I remember looking through those and I would I would uh, like try to find try to find the lucky ones. I would examine them, like roll them, you know, give them a little roll, see how see how they went and if I got like, you know, for example, a 10 cider that hit a couple tens in a row, I might get that. But I always wanted, always wanted one of those prepackaged set of dice. And I, I told my mom that one year for for my birthday, amongst you know other things, I'm sure I wanted a, uh, I wanted a, a set of D and D dice. I assumed that she would just go down to Toy and Model and grab one of those, grab one of those tubes. But she she put some thought into it and she got me one of each different color from the various bins and gave them to me. And I was like. Oh my gosh, I remember being like a completely ungrateful kid, like we are sometimes, and I I pitched a fit about how there was like a mismatched set of dice when all I wanted was like the same color dice, and I feel I feel bad in retrospect, but at the time as a kid, you spend so much time looking a looking a gift horse in the mouth, you know. You're you're like hardly ever hardly ever happy to get anything. It seems like whatever it is somebody gets you, you're like, "Oh, this isn't what I wanted." Unless it was like exactly the exact exact down to the uh down to the letter thing that you wanted. Eventually, I came around on the dice. They they turned out to be all lucky. You know, I wonder I wonder if um my mom went through and uh, did some some rolling of her own and picked out picked out the ones that came out the best. Probably not. They probably weren't even lucky. Luck's not a real thing. Let's see what else. You know, this is just a a bit off off to the side. I remember that Toy and Model had carpet and it may be the only toy store that I've ever been inside of that had that had carpet. They all have like, you know, 
tile, linoleum, or whatever, in case, you know, in case kids make a mess, kids have an accident, that's, that's what kids might do, and when I say might, I mean definitely do, let me, let me reach away from the mic, I am grabbing, and grabbing the ghostly tome, we're gonna, we're gonna pretend it's the ghostly tome, it's actually the Advanced Dungeons and Dragons Player's Handbook, which is, Compiled information for players and dungeon masters by by the immortal Gary Gygax. This was put out by TSR Hobbies. TSR was a big part of my early days. Nowadays, TSR is owned by by Wizard Wizards of the Coast, who they do um magic. Magic the Gathering. In the end, role playing was in fact defeated. Defeated hard by card games. You probably could have seen that, seen that coming if you were, if you were paying attention. I was not. Um, the, the magic user spells begin on page number, page number 64. And as I, as I flip through, we're going to see if, we're going to see if any inspiration hits me as to, um, as to these kind of spells. Here's one that I think think is kind of neat. This is a, is it a level one or is it a level two? I believe that it is a level one spell and it is called Ventriloquism. Ventriloquism is an illusion or a phantasm. It has a range of one up to six feet. You need a vocal component as well as a material component to make it work, that means you have to say something, like there's some kind of an incantation, and you will need, you will need something, it says you need a small cone, a small cone of parchment to make this work, I, I was weirded out by ventriloquism when I was a kid, you would see ads in comic books, and they would show, they would show people, like, throwing their voice, like, they would be there, not moving their lips, and you would hear the voice come from, like, across, across the room, Hey, I'm over here. I'm over here in the corner. No, no, I mean, I'm over here. I'm over in this corner. And it seemed like, you know, some kind of a, some kind of a crazy, crazy magic trick. Like, like we're seeing here in the ghostly tome. Now, I have not been, been like, wizened up to the tricks of ventriloquism. But I think that, I think what dude is doing is he's just basically, like, not throwing his voice. He's just finding a way to talk without moving his lips, and he's telling, telling jokes through a, through a wooden dummy, I think that's what it is, I don't think that, I don't think that dudes are making their voice go across the room, but I, I used to think that that is what they were actually doing, and I would, I would try it, I'd never order the books, I, I was far too cheap for anything like that, but I would, I would like sit around my room for, you know, a couple minutes at a time, I would get bored of this really quick, I wasn't, it wasn't into this kind of kind of hacky comedy, but I would I would like try to make my voice come out of the out of the closet with with you know with no success, of course. How could I how could I be successful? I didn't I didn't have the book. Let's take a look at the uh, explanation slash description here in the in the magic user spell guide. This spell enables the magic user to make it sound as if his voice or someone's voice or a similar sound is issuing from someplace else. The spellcaster is able to make his or her voice sound as if it is a different creature when speaking or making the noise of a creature. Of course, it has to be in a language known by him or her. So, this goes, 
This goes far beyond making it sound as if you're inside the closet or underneath the house. With this, you get like, you get incredible ventriloquism skills. You can make your voice sound like anybody else's voice. And you could also make it sound like it's coming from, like it's coming from the roof or from a... behind a boulder or whatever. This is something I think that you could use if you had, you know, like a like a good wit about you. You may be able to think of something that you could say from across the room that would that would make your make your foe like, you know, fall to pieces. Maybe you could pretend like you're his best friend and you're like, hey, I've been having an affair with your wife. But you make it sound like it's coming from around the corner of the maze. And then when he when he runs over there to investigate, you can you could sneak up behind him and, and like smite him. Smite him mightily with your mace. And then you you ransack his body and you steal all of his gold pieces. Gold pieces and his rubies and such. Let's um let's let's flip around some more and we'll we'll see what we got that we can do for fun. What spells we can talk about and share with everyone. I think when I was doing this last time, I did all the spells that were like unseen servant and things that would things that would be like having people having people feed me grapes and bring me things. How about how about this one? Mirror image. I like this and I, I've looked at this one a million times because it has a it has an illustration underneath. It's this guy with a giant handlebar mustache and he's wearing a skirt with a sash and a vest. He has a vest and a shirt underneath, but what he's done is he's gone and made himself look like three different versions of himself. So you don't know, you don't know which one is the real one. This is also an illusion or a phantasm. It's a level two spell and it lasts for two rounds, for two entire rounds. You're like, you're like three dudes. There is a vocal, a vocal component, but there is no material, material component. The, the description says... When a mirror image spell is invoked, the spellcaster causes from one to four. So you can go up to four if you're powerful enough. You can, you can go up to four. And what happens is you split yourself. You split yourself wide, right? And when dudes come to get you, they don't know which one is you. So they may be attacking one that's not you. And when they do, they'll like, they'll lunge through and miss and they'll fall on the ground and then you can smite them with your mace like upside, upside their dome piece. And you can ransack their pockets for all their copper pieces. Let's, uh, let's take a quick commercial break and then we will be right back with some more, more spells and stuff, I guess. Battle with the creatures of Dungeons and Dragons. Grapple against the forces of evil as a Marvel Comics superhero. Hunt adventure and glory as Indiana Jones. The all-new role-playing games of TSR and Dungeons and Dragons. Unleash the power of your imagination. That TSR commercial was from 1984. What I like about that one is that they make mention of the Marvel Comics, the Marvel Comics game that they had out at the time. This was another one that I dabbled in. I had the, I had the book. I think that I only had the instruction manual. I'm not sure that I had like the maps. Did this come in a box set? I don't, I don't recall offhand. All I know is that I, 
I had like a book, like a rule book that I would read and I would sort of like dabble with this a bit when I was, you know, not so much in the mood for D&D. Later, they also had like a DC Comics game and I, I dabbled with that one too. I remember that one did have a box set. I got it at the Fantasy Books and Games store downtown here in Santa Rosa that you might know from the uh, the famous Mr. T story off the comic book episode of This Boring Life. Comic book stores is what I meant to say, episode of This Boring Life. That's a pretty fun one. If you haven't heard that yet, give that a check out. Let's, uh, let's delve back into the into the handbook. This is an interesting one that I that I see while I'm flippy flipping around in the pages. It um is it is known as Morden Kanan's Faithful Hound. It's a conjuring or a summoning, meaning that you that you bring something to you, that you that you conjure. You conjure a demon or whatnot from some otherworldly realm. This is a fifth a fifth level spell. It lasts for two rounds. Per level, so for example, you were a you were twenty fifth level magic user like Archimedes. It would last you up to fifty rounds. You need a a vocal component as well as a material component. The material component for that is a small silver whistle, a piece of a bone, and a thread. Let's let's check out the the description of this spell. This one is not immediately familiar to me, but it does. It does sound terrific. This name, Mordekainen, so, it's so ghastly, so devilish. By means of this spell, the magic user summons up a phantom watchdog, which only he or she can see. He or she may then command it to perform a guardian of a passage, room, door, or similar space, or a portal. The phantom watchdog will immediately commence a loud barking, if any creature larger than a cat approaches the place it guards, as the faithful hound is able to detect invisible, astral, ethereal, ethereal, out of phase, duodimensional, or similarly non-visible creatures, it's an excellent guardian. In addition, if the intruding creature or creatures allows their backs to be exposed, it will deliver a vicious attack as if it were a 10-hit-dice monster, striking for 3, 4, 3 to 18 hit points of damage. That's not bad. That could that could conceivably murk like a low-level character or like a uh, like a weak, a weak old halfling or something of that sort. And then also, like, imagine what that would, what that would be like. You're walking, you know, you're walking out of the, uh, out of a tunnel or a cave or, you know, like a maze. You turn the corner... And all of a sudden you get like, you get pounced upon by some, by some invisible beast that just like bites your spine out and and takes your life. What a, what a way to go out. That would not be fun. Let me reach down and grab the guide. I, I moved it out of the way for, away for a sec. The faithful hound cannot be attacked, but it can be dispelled. Note. However, that the spellcaster can never be more than three feet away from the area where the where the phantom hound is. So if you move, if you move more than three feet away, it just disappears. Here's something else that I learned about spells that I thought was interesting. The the wizard memorizes the incantation, you know, so he so he knows the words to say, and then once he once he says those words, they they disappear from his mind, and he has to like go back and relearn those words before he can 
before he can cast the spell again, I I think that's interesting. I imagine that you just lose the memory of the words. You still know that you know the spell, but you have to go back and reference the ghost of home to find out the the particulars of the of the words that you have you have to say the the mystical incantation. Mordecanon's faithful hound is it's a good spell. This would be highly useful in the in the world of Dungeons and Dragons. There are all all types of periods in which you which you could use some additional additional protection, but I don't know how often you run into situations where you're like sort of not necessarily camped out, but you're you're kind of on the not moving tip. Maybe maybe if you have the thief of the group is trying to pick a lock, you could you could have the beast there to alert you of any any gelatinous cubes that might be on the move in the area. I wonder if a like a gelatinous cube came out if the if the Mordecanon's Mordecanon's hound pounced into the cube. Do you see do you see that it pierces the cube and goes inside or being like more of a mystical beast? Does it just kind of vaporize when it when it connects with the the surface of the cube? I don't know. Gelatinous cubes are cool. I I've always admired their their perfect um their perfect squareness. There aren't a lot of creatures out there in the world that that have adapted to be cubes. So, you got to give it up for that. It's it's something. It's a it's a unique deal. Why do I keep moving the book? Like, I don't look at it for a second and then I then I um I'm moving away. I don't I don't know what the deal is. Uh let's see. Here's one called a death spell. That's that's a pretty interesting one. It's a it's a conjuration or a summoning. It's a level six spell. It is instantaneous. The duration is instantaneous. It has a vocal component as well as a material component, which is not which is not listed here. the The description is brief. There's not a lot to say about a death spell. It's it's kind of self explanatory. When a death spell is cast, it slays creatures in the area instantly and irrevocably. The number of creatures that can be slain is a function of their hit dice. So, hit dice is like how many how many points you gain, how many hit points you gain each level. For example, if you're like a, your hit dice is six, you roll a six-sided dice and you get to add whatever you get on that roll to your, to your hit points every level that you advance. Um, the higher... The higher your hit point is, your hit dice component is rather the the more powerful you are, I guess. Uh, monsters don't really get levels; they get hit dice as a way to to measure how strong they are. So, the higher the hit dice, the less creatures that would be killed by the by the death spell. Holy criminy! This uh this listing is a lot longer than I thought. There is a whole. A whole like mathematical equation that you have to you have to use to determine here. Let's just let's just like read a couple lines of this. I don't wanna get into this. Simply roll the dice to see how many creatures of less than two hit dice are affected. Kill all these, then use the conversion to kill all two to four hit dice monsters, etc. If not enough of the number remains to kill the highest level, they remains. So dot 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 dot. You do an equation and whoever Whoever remains is, is left. It is, it's like a whole giant paragraph. The 4d20 when rolled indicates a total of 53, 
20 of this is used to kill 1 6 plus 4 to 8 plus 3 creatures. 20 times 0.05 equals 1. 16 are used to kill 2.4. This is, uh, this is something. I don't think that I've ever noticed this whole, this whole little area down here does not affect lycanthorps. Lycanthropes, rather, that is, you know, as like a creature, like a werewolf or a wolf man. Undead creatures or creatures from other than the prime material plane. That is, that's like creatures that exist in the other realms. You know, creatures that are out there like ghostly creatures, demons, devils. Uh, what else are there? There are like poltergeist. I don't know. Just, you know, any kind of a creature from an otherworldly realm is not affected by this. They do not get killed by our prime material plane, uh, death spells. Oh, oh, dig this. The, the material component for this spell is a, is a crushed black pearl that is worth a minimum of a thousand gold pieces. So, the price to do the death spell is not cheap. I imagine that it's, I imagine it's difficult to find a black pearl in the, in the world of D&D. This isn't like, this isn't like nowadays where, where pearls are farmed. They're like mass farmed and whatever. This is, this is like you're out there on the desert plains. You're out there in some, in some bombed out village in the middle of nowhere trying to find a thousand gold piece black pearl that you have to crush and carry with you. This is... This is, in a lot of ways, the ultimate spell, though. Why do you need... Why do you need magic missiles? Why do you need fire fingers? Why do you need anything else? If you can just, like... You can just, like, cast a spell and the gelatinous cube is now... Is now dead. It's... It's a dark spell, though. This would have to... This would have to take some effect... Effect on your soul. I can't imagine, like, a good wizard. You know, like a... Like a lawful good wizard going out there and just like casting the death spell. Or maybe, maybe you would because, I mean, you're shooting a magic missile out of your fingers, right? And the, the idea is to do your foe grievous body harm. So what's the difference between that and just being more direct about it and saying, you know, death spell, crushed black pearl, death spell. You're all, you're all dismissed. It's the same. One is a, one's a bit more direct, I guess there there is a bit of bit of darkness in that directness. You know, you're not even you're not beating around the bush. You're not beating around the bush in any way. You're just zip zap zip, bloop blort blip. Let me let me take your life. I myself, I don't know if I would go as far as to cast a death spell. I don't see myself investing in that in that pearl is the is the big thing, but you never know, man. Maybe if things got grim enough. In the old campaign, you might see, you might see Archimedes consider the death spell. It's, it's a pretty harsh one. I, I'm enjoying going through and studying this book, especially like the illustrations are just so, they're just so terrific. There is one right here of a guy, he's like looking at this, at this small, the small box. I imagine he has some kind of, some kind of material component up for for a spell, maybe that's where he where he keeps the keeps the black pearl. He has long hair and some kind of a some kind of a headband with a with a gem on the front. I wonder who who did the illustrations for the the D and D handbook. Man, some of these some of these are great, and not only are they great, they're just like they are so familiar from all the time that I spent 
studying, studying this guide as a kid. I like, I like the fact that D&D books display things in a just like a real strict numerical value. Like this does this for this amount of time. It's fun. It's fun to read and to quantify things. I, I always enjoyed when they were like things that were in a real life a real life way, like I, I would dig looking at the at the things that you could purchase and carry with you, like the various the various Dungeons and Dragons foodstuffs and the various various supplies. I'm trying to find that section right now in the guide. I'm having a hard having a hard time. Let's see, let's flip through character abilities, dexterity, character races, character classes, character classes, thief, assassin, monk alignments oh equipping the characters i would i would like look at this and i would give archimedes like a certain amount of money and i would i would have him purchase things or i would just like roll up characters just for the purpose of equipping them like for example you can get chainmail armor that's 75 gold pieces i i think chainmail armor is interesting i can't imagine taking the time and combining all those links together to make like a uh to make a suit out of it, the it's just great though, just so neat. A ring, ring armor. I imagine that is that's like leather armor with like uh, brass buckles on it. It's like brass buckles and leather straps style armor. You can get a get a set of that for thirty gold pieces. You could get a belt, three silver pieces. A cloak, a cloak is five silver pieces. We'll we'll look into this. A bit more, a bit more next time. We are, we're just about at the time limit for a, uh, for a thing of, uh, the ghostly tome. So, we're gonna sign off. We will be back in a bit with the, with the something something pop culture, something or another, something minute ghostly tome signing out. Please drop by supportthereport.com and consider becoming a show patron for as low as a measly dollar a month. It's the right thing to do. You've made it this far. It's time. The final segment, your weekly toy shop update, the Toys R Us report. All right, kids, this is this is the final segment of the show. And I have learned that on March 29th, that is the Thursday after after this show comes out, it comes out on the Wednesday, there's going to be an auction for the for the Toys R Us stores, as I as I read it, there are twenty different companies interested in buying some of some of the Toys R Us stores. So there is like a super remote possibility that the that the Toys R Us near you could get purchased and remain open. But I don't know, man. Things are things are not things are not looking great at all. I would I would recommend going to the store for get some pics, get some videos, get some whatever if there is one near you. The the main interested party is a company known as MGA. They are the company behind Bratz, the Bratz dolls. Um so they may end up with some of the American stores. I understand that they're going to be buying the remaining Canadian stores. I don't know. This is this is all, all the worst. The worst of all the times, maybe. Um, 
but uh, in a lot of ways, you have to you have to remember to be grateful. Just be grateful that you had Toys R Us in your in your life for so long. It's it's all good. Things move on, things go forward, and eventually, eventually, we all pass off this mortal coil, you know. And it's just it's sad when it's happened. You got to remember. You got to remember the good times. Let's uh. Let's talk about something else. I I recently bought a new TV, a new living room TV. We've had the same, we've had the same TV for, I'm thinking, 15 years. It was the first ever HD TV we ever got. It's a Vizio. We got it at, uh, at Best Buy. And it's just, um, it's been working. It's been working for all these years. It's fine. It's just, it keeps plugging away, but... It finally got to the point where we're like, you know, let's just, uh, let's get a bigger one. Let's get, uh, let's just bump up the HD. Let's just, you know, let's see, let's see what kind of improvements are out there. I myself, I don't need, like, fine TV details. My favorite TV of all the TVs down on the Earth base is the one in the, uh, in the study, in the office, in the Earth base one itself. It's a 1980, um, RCA XL1000. I, I love it. I, I don't need... To see, like, the fine details to really enjoy TV. But we, um, we wanted to bump it up, you know, and it was, it was time. So we did, we did a few weeks worth of looking around. We went to, like, Walmart, Target, just, like, all the different stores around here that have, that have electronics and stuff. And finally, we, we were at Costco and we saw a, a 55-inch Samsung, the, the 4K, the 4K variety, and we're like, let's uh, let's get this one. It was on on sale for like 350, so we got it and we brought it home. And when I when I brought it in to wire it up, it was it was like quite quite a to do because I have a very elaborate system. I got like laser disc players, VCRs, DVD recorders. I have like PlayStation 2s, PlayStation 3s. Everything you can imagine is hooked up to the old Vizio cuz it's been there for 14 years, right? So we get the new TV. It has new inputs. It has new plugs and it it takes forever. It's like it's like the biggest to-do in the history of to-dos. I'm I'm working on it the whole time. I'm like, I'm sweating. I'm hating it. I'm good. I'm good with wires, but I don't, I don't really enjoy it. You know, it's not, it's not my favorite thing. So I do it. And then we're settling in to watch the TV and I, I don't like it. I just don't like it. I don't like the way that it looks. It looked like, it looked like washed out. It had like a gray film over it. And no matter how much I adjusted the settings and I did this and I did that, I couldn't, I couldn't get it to my liking. I, I just didn't like the way that the picture looked and the, the blacks looked like pixelated. If things were dark, they would look like pixelated. And no matter what I did to adjust it, I didn't like it. And the speakers had like this real hollow sound. They did not sound good at all. The the Vizio had like a built-in sound bar. It had like those giant old type speakers and it thumped. And this one, you know, it's like a small light TV, thin light TV rather, and the speakers had no thump. I I did not like the way it looked. I didn't like the way it sounded. And I 
I felt like it was hard. It was hard to do this, but I said, I think we should take it back. I think we should take it back to the store. I don't, I don't like this TV. And the 55 inch, I didn't enjoy that either. We had to move the couch back because it felt like sitting in the front row of the, of the movie theater. And when we moved it back, that was fine, but it left like this big opening in the living room. It just, it was too big of a TV for the space that we had. So I I felt like, look, we got to take this back. We have to return it to the store. And they did not want to do that. They did not want to do it. They didn't want to deal with the hassle. But I had to do like the, like the 12 Angry Men deal. And I had to, had to convince them that we should take this back to the store. And that we should try to find a TV that is more in tune with what we watch. When you watch the TV in the store and you're looking at it, more than likely they have a Blu-ray player that is showing you these beautiful scenes of outdoor doors. And we mostly watch cable, right? We don't watch like the like the Blu-ray, so we don't get like the same picture quality. So when you're watching it, you're not getting like you're not getting a correct image of what the TV is going to look like when it's in your house and you're watching direct TV. So I I'm like we got to take it back, we got to return it. And finally, Finally, I convinced them, and we did. We packed it all back up, packed it all nice, packed it all good, took it back to Costco, and the people were super polite. We were like, we were like in and out within a few minutes. It was, it was easy peasy, macaroni and cheesy. But, um, but it was stressful. You know, we had to, we had to hook it up, had to unhook it, had to shop for it. The whole thing, the whole thing was a bit of stress. It's a big deal replacing the living room TV. That's the one that we all watch. It's the one that we're, we all gather around for at least, you know, a couple hours, hours a day. So it has to be right. It has to be, it has to be correct. Even if it means, even if it means you have to look around more than once, it has to be right because it's the one that you're going to be in front of. So we, we took it back to Costco and then we, we went to the movies. We went to see, we went to see Tomb Raider. And then after the movies, we went back to the Costco shopping center because that's where a lot of the a lot of the stores are and we said let's go let's go look around Best Buy. Best Buy has a nice TV display. If you remember some amount of episodes back I bought a computer monitor at Best Buy and it turned out it turned out all screwy because the employees there are they're kind of chuckleheads and it was it was no fun and I said I'd never go back but we went back and I looked around and we found a TV that we like, a 50-inch sharp Roku TV. I myself am a big I'm a big Roku proponent. I, I think they have a nice product. I, I have uh, I have one of the back TV, the computer room TV, the living room TV. I, I like them. I think that I think they make a good product. So I was happy to get a TV that had the had the Roku integrated and it was you know a smudge smaller, which was which was cool. I think that it would, it would fit better, and we decided, let's get this one, let's give it a shot. So, we bought it, and it was pretty easy, you know, we go through line, they brought it out, they brought it out to the Icy Robots Mobile, put it in the truck, and away we went, and I should mention that the Best Buy is like, it's like way the heck across town from where we live. It's a good, it's a good 25 minutes or so, so... We drive all the way back and we bring it in the house and I'm like, let's just do it. Let's hook it up right now. Before we left and when we unhooked the other TV, we we arranged all the cords and we taped them down so that it would be easy to install a new TV when the 
when we finally got one. So we're like, let's just do it. Let's do it now. I grabbed the box and I brought it in and I'm like, this TV, this feels really light compared to the, compared to the other TV. Cause we just had to carry it out. And it, it was, the weight was enough for one person to carry, but the box was so wide that it was hard to get your arms around. So we, we double carried it on the handles and I brought this in like, like by myself, it was, it was quite light. And when I, when I got my, when I got my blade and I opened it up, I pulled out a TV and I'm like, this TV looks really small compared to the other TV. And I brought it out and I sat it on the couch and I'm like, that's not a 50 inch TV, but I don't know. And then when I, I went back to the box to try to get the stand out, I'm like, maybe when you put the stand on, it will look the right size. So I, I went to get the stand and I looked down into the bottom of the box and there was like 10, 10 to 12 bricks, like, you know, bricks you build a house with, like bricks, like the three little pigs at the bottom. And I'm like, what the heck is this? There's no stand. There's bricks in the box. This TV is small. So I, I like, it took me a couple, a couple seconds, but I put two and two together. I'm like, I think we got ripped off. I think that somebody returned this TV to the store and that they uh, put the wrong TV in the box. And I was like, let's go. Let's go back. I was like pretty indignant. I was, I was keeping it inside, but I was, I was pretty peeved by this. I was peeved that we had to drive all the way back. We're going to have to drive back again. And I peeved that they sold us a TV that had already been opened and used as a new TV. So I get back and I waited in line at the at the customer service. And the guy goes, what can I help you with? I'm like, I just bought this TV 40 minutes ago. It's not the right TV. The bottom's full of bricks. I think you guys tried to sell me an already opened TV. And he goes, what do you mean bricks? And he comes around and the kid was just... He was so flabbergasted and he was so polite that it diffused any of like the anger I had on the interior. And he went and he called the manager and the manager explained how it's like, it's called brick in the box or brick boxing. It's something people, people do. And he's like, let me just get you a new one. I'm so sorry. And he brought one out and we got the new TV and I brought it home and I hooked it up and I love it. I think it's great. The speakers are great. The pictures are great. You use the Roku control as the main TV control, and I'm already, already super familiar with the Roku control, so it's all, it's all good. In the end, it wound up that I got a TV I love, it was a giant hassle, and I had to, I had to, like, make the argument that we should return it, and I got a bunch of bricks in a box, but in the end, I'm happy, and at least, you know, I got, like, I got a uh, show story out of it. Has this ever happened to you? I know that, you guys buy electronics and stuff. Have you ever gotten a box full of bricks in the box that was supposed to have the TV or the PlayStation or the Nintendo or whatnot? I uh, I got a toy. I got a toy while we were out looking around. I picked up the Star Wars Black Series 3 and 3 quarter inch Sergeant Jin Erso. I love, I love Jin Erso. This is probably like the fourth fourth one I've got. I like this one though. It's her in the dark outfit with her with her brown vest. This one this one has more articulation than the the standard the standard 5 point Star Wars. She has two at her ankles, knees, hips, 
elbows, wrist, and neck. I think all in all, she can turn at the waist as well. She has like an ab crunch. I think there are 16 would be my would be my guess, but I I don't know. Her gun, her gun comes in three different pieces. And you can combine them together and she gets a she gets a sniper rifle or you can you can use like the pistol as her main weapon and that can that can fit in her holster. I like this figure a lot. This is just like the like the Captain Cassian Andor that I picked up the other week that I didn't open. I still haven't opened it. I bought the Jin Urso and I, I opened it the opened it the exact same day, but um good old good old Cassian Andor. He got a, he got the chill in the box. I also got Captain Phasma. I bought the Force Awakens Captain Phasma on good old eBay. I got that for $4 shipped. It was on the card. I was pretty, I was pretty pleased. I'm gonna pick up as many Star Wars dudes as I can get as long as they're, as long as they're cheap. And Captain Phasma, while not being like an awesome character in the movie, is an awesome character design. She has articulation at the, uh, kind of at the legs. And the elbows is five point, typical Star Wars five point. She has a cape. Her cape is pretty cool, and she has a silver colored stormtrooper blaster. I wish that I wish that she was shinier. It's kind of a it's kind of a dull silver. I wish it was like a, a full on chrome. But I don't know, man. Price concerns, I guess. Um, what else? Make sure to uh. Get some iTunes reviews in. Go and find the show on iTunes. It's under Icy Robots Radio, Toys R Us Report. And leave us a review. I'll read it on the show. I'm getting ready to, uh, getting ready to read some. I, I like to save up a few. So, if you want to hear your name on the show and you want to hear me say some, some nice things about you, just go and, like, leave an iTunes review. It's easy. It doesn't cost anything. You could also, also share the, uh, the Twitter link. I would... I would appreciate that a lot. Retweet it, I think is what it's called. My man, Lamar the Revenger, always does it. BTP blog always does it. I really appreciate that. The the Joe on Joe podcast, they did it, of course. Engineer Nerd, he always gives us one. Vic Sage gives us one. Sensational Vega, my main man, Doug McCoy. All these guys give us a retweet. Tapes from the Crypt can always be counted on. My man, uh, Gabe Van Gilder. He can be counted on Eric Priscilla. If you uh, if you want to get a mention, just give me a retweet, give me a review, and I will mention you. It's it's all fun. Uh, Don Walker Jr. There are all kinds of cool peeps who are out there. Give enough support, and I I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. It it makes these it makes these hard hard times with the Toys R Us and everything a bit more. A bit more bearable. Love, love warms your heart, I guess. I don't know. My heart, my heart is warmed by the love. So I'm going to get up out of here. Next week is episode number 150. That is, that's a landmark. I think I'm going to dedicate it to Toys R Us memories. I'm not, I'm not quite ready to do a uh, Toys R Us, they reminisce over you, but I will, I will share all the good Toys R Us memories that I have. I can't say it's all. A lot of them you've heard. I talk about Toys R Us all the time. I just, I want to do a proper, a proper nice tribute to, um, to Toys R Us. So, we'll do that next week. That'll be number 150. So, for me, Engineer Emily, Icebergs around here somewhere, this is 
the Toys R Us Report, episode 149, Ghostly Tome, volume 2, I Am Icy Robot, signing off. If you don't know, now you know. Robots Radio Production. I see Robots Radio is a listener-supported in Dehar. If you like what we do and we make your day a little easier, please consider tossing a few bucks our way to help keep the life support running. All money collected goes to help us prepare for future space pirate attacks. Go on over to supportthereport.com for all the details. Thanks and have a great week.